Okay, good morning, Boker Tov. Welcome back to Living with Emuna. I want to thank, as always, our generous series sponsors for the year. Avi and Bella Morgan, in memory of Rabbi Dr. Brian Galbit, his year is coming up next week. And in memory of Bella's mother, Dr. Ellen Shanzer, very grateful to the Morgans for their generous sponsorship. There's always the opportunity to sponsor individual shirim as well. And uh, we certainly welcome your support and help in sharing our Torah. This morning's shir is sponsored by Rachel Ginsburg in memory of Dr. Jacob M. Hiller, who exemplified and modeled how to live with Simcha Sachaim, which is what we spent uh, so much time talking about recently. Very grateful to uh, Ginsburgs. Thank you very much for your generosity and sponsorship. We uh, completed our study of Simcha. You're never done studying Simcha. Certainly never done living with and practicing uh, Simcha. Uh, but we completed that section in Bayam Derechecha, Ravitcher Meyer, about Simcha. And we're moving over not only to a different section, frankly, we're moving over to a different volume. There are several volumes of Bayam Derechecha, Ravitcher Meyer, Morgenstern's wonderful set of Svarim, Insights. And uh, this one is the uh, Sefer on Pesach and Svira Saomer. So before any of you break out in hives, it is not Erev Pesach, it's Erev Tishabav. So why are we why are we learning a section from Erev Pesach? It happens to be there's a high correlation between Pesach and Tishabav. They always fall on the same day of the week. At Pash, we eat the egg at the Seder. There's all kinds of correlations. That is not the reason. The reason is because there's a, a chapter in here which I think is very relevant. It's relevant to the time of year in which we're in, and it's relevant to the way that I think many people have been or are feeling. And I wanted to go through his words because I think they're very insightful, inspiring, and they are very uplifting. Hapasuk Omer, there are handouts. If you didn't get a copy, please uh, feel free to take. Of course, buy the safer for yourself and support uh, Ravitcha Meyer and his Torah. Hapasuk Omer, Achor Vekedem Tarasani, Tahainu Be'etzim Yitziris Hanivra, Yeshlo Shnei Matzavim, in life, in life, there are two phases or stages or two feelings that we can have. We talk about, and, and we're now up to, I don't even know what number sheer of living with Amuna, but we talk about Amuna like it's binary. You either don't have Amuna, you're either some heretic on the street, reject, atheist, with no portion of the world to come, or you're a tzaddik, you have perfect emuna. you feel Hashem's presence all the time. Just like click the switch, just turn it on. It's binary. You're either without emuna or you're with emuna. But the truth is that all of us fluctuate in life. All of us have ups and downs. All of us have periods where we feel closer to Him, periods where we feel more distanced, periods where we have confidence and certainty, periods where we have doubt and uncertainty and confusion. We have all of us go through phases and periods of our life. We have ups and downs in our lives. In fact, in the one-on-one -on -one campaign, if you're not yet a member, you should be, which is a dollar a day of tzedakah and a minute a day of Torah learning in the merit of Esti Maskutz, Esther Tilabas Ariel Tzipora, and please stay afterwards to say Tilam for her. So recently, uh, Rabbi Weberman, a friend of mine, had his one minute, and he shared an insight from Rav Avim Shor that bears repeating. It was brilliant. He said, you know, somebody goes for an EKG. What does the EKG show? There are ups and downs and ups and downs. What happens if someone's EKG shows a flat line? You're dead. If you're living a life which is a flat line, either no amuna, flat, or perfect amuna, flat. If you're living a life with a flat line, you're dead. You're dead. If, if a test or an evaluation or something that would show your life would show a flat line, it would show that you're dead, spiritually, physically. It's the EKG that's ups and downs that shows you're alive. So we tend to live life thinking, I wish I had a flat line. 
I wish I had a flat line, like even Stephen, even Keel. Can't everything just be like my health, my finances, my relationships? I just want even. I just want a flat line. I want to live life a flat line, but that's not life. Just like on an EKG, a flat line would show that you're dead. Spiritually, if you're flatlining in life, you're dead. You're dead. You're checked out. You're tuned out. You're hopeless. You have despair. You're not really a feeling person. If you have a flat line, you're dead. So there's ups and downs. There's achor v'kedem. Achor v'kedem means behind us and in front of us. Or the lashon of panem v'achor. There's, there's our face and there's our back. On the one hand, you have this notion of when you feel entirely plugged in, connected, certain, confident. There's Hashem. He's involved in my life. I see Him everywhere. I'm grateful to Him. I know it's all for a good reason. Calm, cool, collect, tranquil, faith, connection, emuna, dveikas, bitachon. That's Kedem I see is, I see in front. Panim I see is front. Hashem is garach megalas or panav. Hashem is revealing the light of His face. But sometimes in life we're going through a different period. Sometimes we're in a different place. Sometimes you say, Hashem, where are you? Where are you? I'm looking everywhere and I don't see you. I'm desperately trying to hold on. I'm looking for a connection. I'm trying to feel something. I'm trying to plug into my davening or my mitzvahs or my yantif or my amun. Where are you? Where are you? I'm trying to connect to you. And where are you? And there's the notion of achor, it's as if Hashem has, so to say, turned his back. All we see is his back. We can't see his front. We don't see, it's not a face-to-face conversation. It's a face-to-back. We're chasing, we're pursuing, we're looking. But there's doubt and there's uncertainty and there's confusion. And there's even anger. There's anger at Hashem. And anger at Hashem, I think, is a legitimate emotion. It's not one that's a mitzvah. It's not one that we encourage. But anger at Hashem is also an expression of faith. We've shared many, many times that the person who's angry or disappointed, it's better to scream at Hashem than not talk to Hashem. person who doesn't talk to Hashem is checked out of a relationship. If you don't even talk to him, if you're done with him, if you have no conversation, ongoing conversation with him, you know, you're checked out of a relationship. I do a fair amount of marriage counseling, not professionally. I always refer to a qualified, competent professional, but rabbinically complement it with rabbinic uh, counseling. And I can tell you that when you sit with the couple and you learn one of the problems, so the couple who says, we fight, you know, we, we love each other tremendously, with tremendous energy and passion, and then we fight with energy and passion. And then you have another couple who says, you know, we don't fight. We're just, we're just like roommates. We just overlap in the house. We don't even talk much. We're just in the same space, but we're not even connected. So if you're not even talking, if there's not even screaming, that's when, the, that's when the relationship's in the ICU. A relationship's in the greatest trouble when there's not even anything, when there's no conversation. If there's screaming, if there's anger, if there's disappointment, if there's feelings, if they're trying to navigate, then, then the relationship is alive. There's something to work with. And the same is true in our relationship with Hashem. The person who's checked out, who's quiet, person who doesn't talk to him, doesn't listen to Hashem talking to them, person who says, yeah, am I angry? I'm not angry at God. I don't know if I'm an atheist. I didn't really give it enough thought to decide whether I believe he's there or not. I just, I don't really, I don't really have a relationship with him. I don't talk to him. I don't hear him talking to me. I don't think about him much. I'm just living my life. That relationship is much, much more in trouble than the person who says, God, where are you? And I'm angry at you. How could you do this? And where are you? And why aren't you answering me? So to scream at Hashem is certainly a greater expression of faith than to not talk to Hashem. 
person who doesn't talk to Hashem, you know, maybe you'll think at least they're not chutzpedek or rude or brazen to Hashem, but they're actually checked out of the relationship. It's much more on life support than the person who screams, who yells, who's angry, who's disappointed, who's frustrated, who says to Hashem, where are you and what's going on? I've told you a million times the story of the Holocaust survivor's funeral I did. I'd never met the woman, but we're meeting with the family and I asked, what was her faith like after the Holocaust? And her son-in-law said to me, you know, uh, she wasn't a practicing observant Jew. He said, but she was angry at Hashem. She was angry at God ever since she lost everything she lost in the Holocaust. And then he said to me, one of the greatest lessons of Amun I ever learned. He said, I guess her being angry at God was a really powerful form of faith because you're not angry at someone that you don't believe exists. You're not angry at a figment of the imagination. You're not angry at something which is theoretical or conceptual. You're angry at your mother or father who you expected more to protect you and they disappointed you. So that's not, that's not good. It's not the model of the relationship that we're striving for. It's not what we're teaching, <clears throat> but it is a relationship. It is a relationship. So it says of Shemaiah, if we're honest with ourselves, if we have a flat line in life, we're not alive. If our spiritual existence, if our spiritual existence reflects a flat line, we're not alive. If it has ups and downs, like an EKG, that shows we're alive. There's panem v'achor, achor v'kedem. There's behind and forward. There's our back and our front, Hashem's back and His front. So sometimes we're on fire, we're plugged in. It's clear as day, we see Him, we feel Him, we're talking to Him, we're talking about Him. And other times, like, where are you? Where are you? What is going on? Why does the sky feel like it's falling? And how come I keep asking you and turning to you and reaching for you and you're elusive, you feel like you're not there? So that, that I want to talk about this because now we're in the three weeks. Soon we'll be entering the nine days in Tisha B'Av. And, and this is the inverse, you know, the, the high holidays is all about Hashem. Hashem, here's flowers and cards and chocolates and I'm in love and you're in love and I see you everywhere and I'm working on it and I'm putting in time and we're having date, date night all the time and we're going to come to Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, it's going to be amazing. The end of Yom Kippur, we're going to have Ni'ilah and we're going to lock the door of Shlomo's beautiful insight. Ni'ilah is not God's locking us out. Ni'ilah is we're going to go in a room with God and lock the door behind us, Ni'ilah, to lock. So Ni'ilah, by the time we get to Ni'ilah, oh, the goal is we're going into a private room, a yichud room with Hashem, we're going to lock the door behind us. So that's love and romance and energy and confidence and certainty. But this is destruction and exile and tragedy and sadness and pain and suffering and crying. Where is Hashem in that? What does a relationship look like in that? What do you do about your davening when it's not flowing? Should a person just, just close the sitter? Like, what am I doing? It's, not, it's just not flowing. I'm putting in the motions, uh, you know, at the end, I think I read the words, I don't even know, I'm not even sure, I wasn't really paying any attention, I'm just showing up or I'm just doing it because I'm supposed to, I'm just going through the motions. So is that a relationship? Is it better to not daven than to have an inauthentic davening? Is it better to skip davening than having a davening where you're checked out? Or what's the value of a checked out, angry, doubtful davening? What does it look like? So that's, a, that's what I want to talk about through the prism of Bayam Derech Achorovich There's also a beautiful piece in Revol, but maybe we'll do that next, although I don't want to get too depressing. By the time we get to it, we'll probably be in Elul. We're supposed to be on date night with Hashem. Um, but Revol also has a beautiful piece about Yemei Ha'ava v'yemei Asina v'hayeish, days you love Hashem and days of Sina, where you don't love Judaism, and days of Yeish, days of like, I give up. I give up. I've spent a lifetime trying to connect to this mitzvah or this davening or this part of our religion and I give up. And what drives a lot of people to give up 
me included, they, don't, they want to give up on Judaism because of the Jews. A lot of people want to walk away not because of God, but sometimes the very people who claim to most represent God, most turn you off to God. Sometimes it's hard, you know the old adage, don't judge Judaism by the Jews. Don't punish God because of his children. But sometimes it's hard to differentiate and separate them out, sometimes. So this is kind of a down topic, but I think it's a real one. And Amunah Shir that only talked about like, oh, we're on fire and Amunah, let's make brachos, let's answer amen to each other, let Baruch Hashem. Like, okay, yeah, there are times, there are moments, that's great, that's what we're striving for. But if we flatline with that, then we're fake, we're dead, we're, we're, not, we're not really living. A real life, a real relationship, every real relationship has ups and downs. So how do we navigate that place? How do we navigate Eicha? How do we navigate a relationship with Hashem when we're sitting on the floor? How do we navigate a relationship with Hashem, which is Bein HaMetzarim, Kol Hisigua Bein HaMetzarim. Pasuk says in Eicha that Kol all who pursued Hisigua, they caught up Bein HaMetzarim, between the straits. So the name of these three weeks, the nine days, Teshebav, this unit, this period of time is called Bein HaMetzarim. So the Bali Musa, the Bali Machshava, the, the, the Rebbe's all say, read that Pasuk differently. Kol if you're chasing Hashem, Hisigua, you know where you could catch up to Him? Bein HaMetzarim. Sometimes it's in a lowly place. Sometimes it's in a down and out place. Sometimes it's when you feel beaten up place. Sometimes that's when you're actually most best positioned to find him, to find him. So there is a relationship to be found even in this state, even in these moments, even in this place. And that's what we're going to look at. says, you can't see my face. All you see is my back. I'm going to provide for you. I put money on your debit card, but don't call. Put money on your debit card, but don't FaceTime. Don't visit. It's like a person who throws a coin over their shoulder. Right? So the poor person's chasing them. A child is chasing you. Abba, I, I need money. I, I, need, I don't have a roof over my head. I don't have food to eat. Abba, I need money. And you know what you do? Without even turning around, you throw a debit card. Without even turning around, here's $100. Without even turning around, here's a check. What the child is saying is not only do I need money to pay the bills, but I need you. I need your comfort. I need your embrace. I need your support. I need your kind word. And sometimes there's a feeling of, you know, I have the roof over my head. I have food to eat. I don't want to be kafoy tov. I don't want to be unappreciative of that. But Hashem, I don't just want you to say yes to the roof and the food and I woke up this morning and I'm breathing. I want that relationship. I want to see you. I want to feel you. I want to know with certainty that you're there. Sometimes it feels like he's not with me. Sometimes it feels like, where is he? It's just not flowing. Davani's just not coming. This miros, the Shabbos, the mitzvos, just checked out and tuned out. It's just not happening. We have additional names to describe this phenomenon. For example, when it comes to our soul, sometimes we have periods of greatness, of largeness, and sometimes we have periods of smallness. I don't even know if it's proper English, but that's how you translate it. Godless and katness. We call it godless the mochen and katnas the mochen. Mochen means more than what I'm going to say, but mochen means a mindset, a perspective, an attitude, a feeling. There's godless the mochen. Sometimes your mind is just expanded. It's just on fire. 
It's just perceiving and seeing everything and everyone and Hashem in, in everything. And then you have mochen de katnas, where you just don't want to get out of bed. Where you see yourself as small and everything is small. Where your ambition and your drive is small. Where your feeling of connection, not only to Him, to people, to loved ones, is small. Godless is man Godless is, I see the greatness in me. I see the potential for greatness in me. I see the greatness of this world. It's awesome. And I want to consume every part of it. It's delicious. It's just amazing. It's geschmack to be a yid. I'm just singing and dancing through life. And I see him everywhere. I just want more. I can't wait. I've had periods of life where you can't wait for the next davening. Davening is so on fire and so connected. It is such an anchor and such an inspiration that you're like, what? Shacharis is over? I guess I have to wait for Mincha. I can't wait to take those three steps forward. We've been talking about in Siddur Snippets. We are doing our introduction to the Amidah now. I can't wait to take those three steps forward and to transport myself to be in the presence of Hashem and just to lose myself in conversation with Him. Hashem, listen to this. You won't believe what happened. And thank you so much. And you're amazing. And please, I need your help with that. And also, the, and you're just, ah, I can't wait. And you have other times it's like, ah, oh, it's mincha. I guess I'll do my three steps forward, say the words, clap my chest. It's just very hard. Psychologically, in, in, in psychology you have this. There are periods that you're awake and ambitious and inspired and very, and very uh, conscious. And there are moments that you're, we call it quasi-depressed, depressed, whether clinically depressed or just kind of out of it, burnt out. Burnt out, emotionally drained. We all go through this. And you say, I just, there's nothing in the tank. I just don't feel connected. I just don't feel like doing it. I don't feel like getting up. I don't feel like going out. I don't feel like talking. I don't feel like davening. I don't feel like sitting at the Shabbos table. I don't feel like it. Katniss. I don't see the greatness in me. I don't see the greatness of the world. I don't really see any reason to connect. I don't see anything to connect. Why is it called Mochen de Godless and Mochen de Katniss? With no insult to young people, and here we're talking about really young people, ketanim, ketanos, because this is the difference in maturity, sophistication, intellectual growth between a child and an adult, right? The child lives a life. The difference between an immature, unsophisticated, undeveloped child and hopefully an adult is the notion of how, how deeply we understand, how insightful we are how capable we are of feeling genuine, authentic, true feelings, not only the pleasure of the moment, of Havana, of a deep understanding, a penetrating analysis and understanding of the world. So sometimes even as adults, we feel like little children who want to crawl in a ball and stay in bed. And sometimes even a child could have mochen de godless and see the potential and strive for greatness and be tuned in and tapped into the world. So this is called, so now we're coming up with our fourth name for this phenomenon. So far all we're doing is naming it. And by the way, there's enormous validation in naming it. I don't know how you're feeling listening, mostly because I'm positioned weirdly today and really just looking at the bookcase and the camera, and you're all the way over there. Now I'm giving side eye to the people watching online. But anyway, um, I don't know if you're connecting to this at all, but sometimes just feeling validated. You know, you could go, to live, you could go through living with Amuna, you could be teaching living with Amuna, and you say, I'm supposed to be on fire every week when we teach this and talk about it and give different examples and parables and metaphors for it, but I don't feel it. You could be in a week where you say, I'm drained, I'm exhausted, I got nothing left, I'm broken, 
and I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. So just naming it, just naming it enables us to deal with it and to navigate it and to make sense of it and to figure out a way to break out of it and to figure out a way to grow in it and through it. So naming it is important. Achor v'kedem, back and forward. Panam v'achor, front and back. Katnas and godless. And now the fourth name. Uvedarcha avod is a nikra ratza v'shov. Ratza v'shov. Again, if you don't have a source sheet you want, there's a pile right here. There's plenty. We're about to turn the first page. Uvedarcha avod is like supersonic speed today. Uvedarcha avod is a nikra ratza v'shov. In the world of avoda, of, of personal growth, of working on a relationship with Hashem, it's called ratza v'shov. You know, ratza v'shov is, is, is running forward and then retreat. Advance and retreat. Advance and retreat. Which is the other way we speak about it in life. Right? People will tell you, sometimes it feels like I take two steps forward and one step back. You ask, how's it going? How's it going with your child? How's it going in your marriage? How's it going overcoming that addiction? How's it going with your health and wellness? How's it going with, people will say, you know, I tell you, sometimes it feels like I take a step, two steps forward and one step back. To make an advance two steps forward, then one step back. Sometimes we're in a state of ratzo. Ratzo means progress, advance. Ratzo from rats, running. Sometimes we're running and running and running. I'm in it. I love it. I'm running. I'm doing it. I got it. Ratzo, the word ratzo, rats means to run. But what other word does it relate to? Ratzon. What is ratzon? Will. Will, desire, drive. Ratzon. Mishnah Perkyeva says that a person, I say ratzon, no. Make your drive, your ambition, your will, your want conform to his. Don't make God's want and will conform to yours. Make your will and your want conform to his. Ratzon. Ratzon. Ain davara omed bifnea ratzon. People think it's a Maimar Chazal, but I don't think it is. There's nothing that stands in the way of Ratzon. What's Ratzon? Will. Nothing stands in the way of true will, of desire. What is will? What is Ratzon? It's from the word Ratz. Why? Because you run to the things that you want to do. You run to the things that you want to do. And what happens when you run? If I had the bookcase in the back, if I run to it versus if I walk to it, does it make it any closer? No. Physically, it's the exact same distance from me. So it's 30 feet from me. And if I run, it doesn't make it closer. But what happens? I get there faster. Why? Because I ran. So when you have a rut zone for something, you get there faster. When you have a rut zone for something, you're quicker, you're faster. You get there, you get there faster. You get there faster. So that's, that's rut zone. Rutzo. Ruts. To run. To run. So Richard Meyer is describing sometimes when we're in the two-step forward phase, right, of our life, in relationship, professionally in our career, in our spiritual health, emotional health, physical health, we're in a rut zone. That's my will, that's my drive. I was burning, I'm in it. That's it. I'm ruts, I'm running to it. And it's my rut zone, it's all I talk about. I'm almost obnoxious because that's all I talk about. All I talk about is my, how much I ran or exercised, or how much weight I lost, or all I talk about is my career, how much money I made, revenue, profit, new clients I have, or my rut zone. Hopefully all I talk about is how many dapam I've learned, how many news farm, how many great new shiurim I'm listening to. When we're in the rut zone phase, we're ruts, we're running, we're running, we're rutza, we're advancing. The kasher nechshach lo. But then the light goes out, the light dims, it feels dark. Homatsav shall shove. All of a sudden, we're listening to a few less Torah podcasts. 
All of a sudden, we're nibbling a few potato chips late at night. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, we're no longer patient and kind. We're losing our temper. You feel yourself not in a state of advance, of progress, of running, but of retreat, of going backwards. Because we've given up on our greatness. And we have a little sense of despair. So this, so far we've just named it. We didn't just give it one name. We gave the phenomenon, no less than, four names. Achor v'kedem, panim v'achor, godless and katnus, ratza v'shov. So they're coming from four different angles, but they're all describing the same thing. Four different perspectives, but all describing that same phenomenon of sometimes I'm connected, sometimes I feel disconnected. Sometimes I'm in fire, sometimes... My, my, my fire has been put out, it's been extinguished. Sometimes the light is on, sometimes I'm sitting in darkness. You can call it whatever you want, give it whatever name, but we've all been there, we all know it. We all know it. Let's start the next section. So what do we do? When you're on fire, okay, good. You, you could use some direction, but you're good. What do we do and how do we get through when we're not? In relationships and in a relationship with Hashem. So the first thing is to know that even when we're in that back place, that dark place, that state of retreat, why are we there? How did we get there? Are we there because we've done Averos? person who says, I'm out of energy. I'm not connected to my davening. I'm not connected to my mitzvos. I'm not in fire seeing Hashem everywhere. Why? Is it because they've become a lowlife? Is it because they're consumed by doing Averos? No. No. God forbid. This is the most validating thing you're going to hear all day. Says Richard Meyer, you know why that happens? That is part of the creation of the Bria. That was built into the design, that was built into the definition of a human being. Because anything that receives light will have time that the light is revealed and times that the light is hidden. Now, this is true not only for the human being. This is not only true for a human being. This is true for anything that has growth to any animate object. Take vegetation in a field. There are periods of blossoming and flourishing and growth. And there are periods of decay and death and rejuvenation. There's forward and there's back. There's light and there's dark. Anything. Anything from the vegetation world to the human world. Anything has forward and back, light and dark. There are cycles to our life and a rhythm to our life. So he says it's so important to know, says Ravitcha Meyer, don't blame yourself and don't get stuck and don't beat yourself up in those moments. First of all, that'll compound it and make it worse and make it harder to climb out of. But it's also not your fault. It's the nature of the world. Again, go back to that great insight by Rav Avram Shor. We want to be flatline. We want to just move that line up. I want to be steady, Eddie, flatline. I just want to move the line up in my amuna, in my career, in my relationship, in my everything. But that's not life. To be alive, the EKG shows. Now you hope, you hope that you're trending upwards. So it's ups and downs, right? Any, over any extended period of time, the stock market is up, but in between, right, right now we're at a, but we hope soon, there's ups and downs. If you're alive, if you're engaged, if it's a vibrant, active, dynamic market, then there's ups and downs. And that's our life. So says Richard Meyer, it's critical to know, first let's name it. This is a phenomenon. It happens. You're not the only one. Don't feel guilty. 
or shame. Don't, you're not the only one. It happens. It happens to all of us. Number two, it happened not because it's your fault. It happens because that is the nature of the world. That's how Hashem created the world. That's how Hashem designed the world. The actual Pasuk that uses that language of Ratsha Vashov is talking about celestial angelic beings. And even among them, there's forward and back, there's progress and regress, there's light and there's dark. So if that's true for the angels who are pre programmed for perfection, then all the more so, it is certainly true for us, for us as well. It's true for us as well. So don't know that you're not alone. Know that this is a broad general phenomenon. Know that it's not your fault. Don't beat yourself up, feel regret or shame. Know that it's natural. It's part of the world. Angels, celestial beings don't have free will. So there's nothing they could have done wrong to have made darkness instead of light. There's revelation and there's hiddenness. There's light and there's dark. There's two steps forward and there's a step back. Now why? Why did he create the world that way? Can't we just have steps forward and no step back? Can't there just be light and never darkness? Can't we only see his face and never have him turn his back? Why? Why does it have to be this way? And the answer is, come back next week, 8.45. And we will continue. But I want to get to the practical, which we will. Is it worth davening if you're disconnected? Is it worth going through the motions when you're not finding meaning? Is that an inauthentic religious life? Or is it authentic? When you're going through the motions without meaning, when you're davening and you're disconnected, is that authentic or inauthentic? You could try to keep doing it just to keep that habit going. So hopefully when you're in a better place. But what about in that moment? Should you feel inauthentic? What am I doing in shul? I'm not even sure you exist. I don't really see you. I'm actually pretty angry at you. I don't really feel like talking to you. Why am I here? What am I doing? Is this real? That's where we're going to go with this and continue this conversation in Mirza Shem next week. Tonight we continue behind the bima. Cliffhanger, exactly. Got to bring you back. <laughs> Next week, uh, tonight, behind the beam of Dan Grunfeld, the son of Ernie Grunfeld. Penny, you got to tell Bob to listen. The great New York Knick player, executive, and radio announcer. Do you know that he was born in Satmar, came to America when he was eight years old, didn't even speak English? Wore the number 18 because I'm Yisrael Chai. Find out tonight more behind the beam at 9 p.m. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, stay holy.